Um, hello everyone. Um, welcome to Can We Do It? Um, Zencaster. Basically, I start. I stopped the recording on the second slide to going at my graphics tablet, and then we had an issue with Zencaster, and it didn't record the file properly. So, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the first two slides um, again, and then um, you'll. Um, Evan will join us um, through the power of post-production um, and then we'll continue the majority of the podcast uh, that way. So welcome to Can We Do It? Um, and this week we're looking at fixing the Vegas loop. So we briefly looked at this um, last episode and I also released a highlight separately um, and that seemed to get quite a few views. So, you know, clearly it's a popular subject and I'm happy to still talk about it, like, <laughs> I find this whole thing pretty hilarious, so, um, yeah, um, but yeah, basically, like, one of the key issues with it, really, is that, um, it's not really gonna hit its stated capacity goals, um, you know, I think we do have a comparison of capacity later on, but it just falls far short of being able to move the amount of people it needs to, um, especially, uh, considering that the convention center it's not quite like an events venue it has as peaky sort of um you know sort of as peaky events like you know a big gig ends or something and everyone heads home straight after that but you know i'm sure there are still like sort of large talks and stuff that go on during these conventions that um will also command quite a high peak capacity so um the first slide um which is obviously the least important and i think evan would totally agree with me on this one is sort of safety and actually recently it came out that um what to do in the event of a fire or a vehicle breakdown is that drivers will not have to back out of the tunnel <laughs> in order to um let the passengers out so that's um that's not so great um especially if you've got a queue of cars trying to back out the tunnel um especially during a fire when um it's burning up all the oxygen so that's not so great um it still seems like the tunnels are going to be too narrow <laughs> to allow the uh to open the doors and allow people to get away um there's no emergency exits there's no emergency ventilation system to pump fresh air in um which is a massive thing in road tunnels you have to make sure um there's no sort of emergency lighting system apart from just like the rgb strip lights um so yeah it's not that safe in the event of a fire and i think um you know with this one where there's less of a mile in between stops then it might be slightly better but yeah i wouldn't want to be going on one of these systems i mean i probably wouldn't feel that safe riding this um especially if though you know it was quite busy um it wasn't just like me <laughs> me on my own in one car going through it um but yeah also uh you know the lithium uh batteries compose a fire hazard i i don't want to cast dispersions that they're any more risky than in, like petrol cars um but you know as you can see here it's certainly a thing that happens ultimately this is the same with any sort of form of um fuel that you need to carry with you you have to carry the amount of energy that you need to 
get the car so many miles and that's the same with petrol and that's the same with lithium-ion batteries and if they set on fire that energy will be released as heat so um yeah it's like ultimately when you're trying to carry an energy source on board um you're gonna have to deal with the fact that that energy may also be released as a fire yeah sorry uh we're back now uh you're yeah. getting a tablet and we had to restart i should have just done that at the start oh well yeah so it's um... all good should we start again now actually like, yeah let's... Okay. so this better work yeah like... <laughs> so basically you were getting a tablet so we had to stop for a bit but we're back now so yeah i had again. to plug some stuff in and out again it was a yeah. bit annoying um anyway the cars what were you saying so i'm thinking so this is my proposal right so obviously we want the cars to take up um you know in the tunnel that hasn't improved my drawing much has it really not really it was kind of useless you doing all that i have to say yeah yeah (laughs) we want the we want the train to take i mean the car to take up as much space in the tunnel as possible um, to really sort of maximise the small amount of space that is available. And then I was thinking on the side, which is why I have this photo of a shopping centre. Yeah. Is we, I don't know, so we may obviously make it longer. And then to increase the speed of sort of embarking and disembarking, we sort of put like sliding doors along the lengths of the... <laughs> car so you're, you're describing trains or no these are pods these are pods oh okay, pods. okay i promise you these are pods yeah and then um, well i guess if it had wheels would it, it would be a bus it could be a bus yeah, yeah. it might be a bus <laughs> i i mean a pod sorry a, a big pod, yeah a big, a big so we have that hmm so yeah this is sort of a good start because you know people can get on without necessarily having to get seated like this way you have to climb directly into the seat you have to climb down yeah um it takes and a I bit think longer last week i talked about how middle seats no one wants to sit in them. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to sit in that so yeah so, so that's only like two seats with this um you could have because the journeys are only short you know on the inside you could have um you know you could do i know say just like a row of longitudinal seats and then you could mostly just sort of put like places for people to hold on yeah like just sort of grab handles near the doors and then you know wheelchair users if you put the station at the platform at the level they can just roll straight on so boom that's so much quicker for loading onto the pods. Even though I just realised you'd have to raise because I think in the station pictures you've shown, yeah. it's all on one level, isn't it? So you'd probably have to raise the middle bit so people well, can go straight on. Well, you could just raise the whole platform, I think. Yeah, um, you know, you could raise it. I don't know, say a meter off the ground. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, that would be yeah quite useful, and then you could just have all of the stuff that you need to run it underneath, and then you just have like a big box on top. Um, yeah. And it also improves, um, you know, not only does this improve disabled access, but it also improves, you know, people have got luggage. Um, That's true. If people have got other disabilities. Um, it just people can get on very on and off very quickly 
if they can board at level. So yeah. it's really a fantastic thing for everyone um, to have. So I think this would be a good idea for yeah. any alteration Musk wants to make to pods. Um, I don't know if Elon would ever do it, but <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the guideway. So um, obviously maximizing the size of the cars, you know, if we want to make the car be like, uh, you know, sort of say that. Oh, sorry, my tablet's being a pain. The only I just realized something though, Josh. The yeah. only thing is maximizing the size would mean if there was any um, accidents, how would people be able to get out? So that's why I said we should put a door on the front. Oh, yeah. And okay. then we have like, I don't know, the cab at the side of that and then people can sort of get on and off. Yeah. Um, but although this isn't the greatest solution, I think for the small diameter of the tunnels available, it's probably the best solution. Yeah. Well, actually, for... yeah, how big could you stand in those tunnels? Yeah, so the tunnels are uh, 12 feet in diameter. And how high um, do you know? Oh, that's just the diameter. So that would be oh, di- oh, yeah, feet. of course. Yeah, so I don't got... know why I thought that meant wide. <laughs> yeah, um, they're kind of all the same thing. Yeah. With it being a circle, but yeah. Yeah. Wait, you say um, 12 feet. So yeah, you could stand in that easily. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I think that the guideway system you know, first shown in the concept loop would be good. Yeah, um, that actually it, looked cool. And it like that's yeah. the annoying thing, is like you could see some interesting ideas originally. Yeah. That was like, oh that would be cool. And then it kind of digressed. But um but yeah suggesting. A, gu- a guideway so it kind of provided a bit of a bumpy ride, but you know, I think that it wasn't a terrible idea. Um however there's another type of guideway system that's been developed. Um, what is this which, of which provides a smoother ride, reduces friction, and is pretty low maintenance. Um, you know, especially if we're talking about like sub fifty mile an hour speeds, <laughs> which the loop is thirty miles an hour. And there's um, there's a system actually near near to me, really, um, Whoa. which uses this system. Um, <laughs> I think you know, um, they use sort of long metal beams and sort of special wheels. You know, you can see a diagram of yeah. said this wheel. This looks revolutionary to me, I have yeah. to say. Um, you know, they're sort of like a conical shape. So you can yeah. see this sort of a conical shape there, which keeps it sort of centered. Um, and then obviously if the corner's very extreme or something happens, you have these sort of um, lip with metal around the edge of this uh, wheel to sort of you know for safety um yeah but yeah these things are very good and because it's steel on steel it has a very low amount of friction so it's it's really right. pretty clever really well, um I'm, I'm assuming like this new technology elon probably hasn't heard of so that's why he's yeah, using them that's true yeah. um but yeah using sort of these here to sort of you know hold this you know pod yeah Where's my cursor? Got my cursor went up there. <laughs> um, I'm going to change the color so I can actually see it in comparison to <laughs> the the slide color. That's oh, wait, yeah, you, you... Uh, all the colors are basically the same. You I'll just, just use go black. black. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think that would be quite useful. 
so um it would keep yeah the bigger train the pod in line <laughs> inside the tunnel and um yeah i think that would be good yeah so i want to talk about power um what are these creatures that you're showing i mean i haven't seen them ever before i have to say yeah, so these are like different pod type vehicles that I've oh, seen about. Okay. Um, this is like a sort of separate power pod. Yeah, so and inferior then... to what Elon was trying to do, obviously. Yeah, and then you yeah. can see kind of like these passenger pods here that uh. is actually pulled by the power pod, which is quite interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, the sort of the current issue with sort of battery power is twofold in that. Having all of that energy stored on the vehicle is a fire hazard, and also the vehicles need to stop to recharge, which increases the space that's required at stations, reduces the amount of time they can stay in service, and also another thing that I've just thought of is weight and cost. Is that you know obviously the batteries will add a lot of weight, they'll add more cost, and yeah, um, so. Yeah, here are some photos of pods that use different systems of delivering power. Um, so this one up here, which is probably the preferred option, uses a wire. So basically it's just like a transmission line carrying high voltage yeah. electricity. And then you have this sort of um, pod stick system that sticks to the sort of wire and pulls electricity off of yeah. it to run the motors so it re removes the needs for batteries altogether um and essentially as long as your power of your supply of power keeps coming the train can just run f i mean the pods can just run forever um yeah. so yeah wait and the only thing i would just think of with that one is if we're if there's a limited amount of space um, in the tunnel yeah. that would take up quite a bit i'm guessing yeah so this is why i'm proposing a system like this is less ideal because you basically because it's on the ground um so you have an extra rail so you can see here there's like these extra rails that pull um so this is actually london's pod system here uh, the famous um, london pod pod system yeah and they they actually use two extra rails as well as the you know two rails they run on yeah um and they deliver that one's got 440 volts positive charge and that one's got four, 440 volts negative charge so delivers like 900 volts um but most places just have a single rail um delivering dc current and then they'll have a they'll just use another of the running rails to return the current um so yeah, these things can deliver a fair amount of power. Um, you can <laughs> see fair. here it's sparking a little bit, but yeah. it's, yeah, generally, as long as you'd make sure that you don't drop like tons of trash and everything on the tracks, um, it doesn't really cause any problems. Um, so obviously it's a bit of a danger if someone gets on the tracks, um, but yeah. people just shouldn't really well, people aren't really going to be able to get on the road in the tunnels anyway, so... That's and also, sort of sorry, if you were, like, if you weren't getting hit by... If you were on the track, or not the, the road, I guess, in Elon's tunnels, um, 
like if you're in the tunnel itself there's not like any space for you to get out of the way i'm presuming from what you were saying about the doors yeah no so even if you were on the the road or the tracks or whatever you'd get hit mm. so the only place where it could be a danger is maybe like in the stations um which is why they could use um i don't know if you've seen like platform screen doors no i don't have. think i have actually well what, um, what are they so it's basically if you just think of it like almost a lift system where you have a second set of doors that keep all the passengers out of sort of i guess oh. where the lift's coming because when you obviously when the lift doors open it opens the set of doors on the lift and the set of doors outside the lift oh, at the same a, time that's quite cool i'm actually so, surprised i haven't seen that in more places um that yeah, makes a lot of sense they have it on the tube as well actually in some in some places they have it in the newer stations and basically oh. yeah there's just like a huge sort of glass panel with like doors on it and you see the train pull in behind and then they open and let people on um so yeah it's basically a great way of sort of safety wise you turn it into a horizontal version of a lift in a lot of ways yeah um it reduces the you know chances of accidents massively and also you know if there's heat inside the tunnels you could sort of keep the platform air conditioned separately or if oh, you yeah. know it's a overground platform you can keep they, yeah, the station also sort of isolated from where Because that is one thing I find with the underground sometimes. I mean, I, I'm not in London, so I haven't gone there that much, and especially not recently. Yeah. Um, but, like, I remember it always being very kind of hot. Was it kind of yeah, like it's very hot. Way yeah. Um, I think the deep level lines have, um, because they've got quite limited space in the tunnels, they don't really have any room for air conditioning. <laughs> Mm. and yeah air conditioning sort of trying to squeeze it all into like the stations and stuff is quite a challenge so and basically over the years if the trains have run for like you know 70 or 80 years they've just slowly been heating up the ground around them yeah oh. so now the now the the heat just gets worse every year oh, i didn't know about oh because it, it just keeps a... heating the ground yeah would there be like a point where Will it just keep on happening, or will there be a point where it'll kind of just be hot enough? I wonder. Yeah, I reckon it would probably stabilize at some point, yeah. but probably not at a comfortable temperature. <laughs> oh. um, so yeah, I think considering the space in the tunnels, the powered rail system would be suitable. Yeah. Um, but I want to go on to the next slide, which is drivers. Um, so the guide rails, um, as you can see, another sort of pod system with these guide rails um, negates the need for sort of any control over steering. Um, and what they also the guide rails allow us to do is hook multiple pods together, um, which, you know, into sort of a connected pod convoy. Yeah, well, but instead of getting rid of sort of the need, you know, this gets rid of the needs to actually sort of do like complex technology stuff to maintain the distance because you just mechanically attach the pods to each other. That's true. This and is then, this is also revolutionary, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that massively increases capacity, but also reduces the number of drivers needed in the system. Um, yeah. Which is obviously a current issue. Um. With it. But also safety-wise, um, 
you can imagine that because these can carry so many people, you'd only have to have one in each tunnel at a time. So if mm. you needed to evacuate or if something went wrong, that would reduce the risk massively for that as well. Yeah. Um, well, wait, well, yeah. to do kind of a driver, I just suddenly thought this, and I'm, I'm, this might be a really stupid thought. Um, <laughs> Go for it. How much space, like, how much space on the roads were there for the drivers? Because, In... and are they like kind of straight bits of road or is there curves? There's curves in them as well, so because I guess you'd be driving, about... I don't know, with like walls on either side of you. Mm. Driving, I don't. I mean, I don't know how to drive yet, personally. <laughs> um, I am like learning, but if you like, let's say, slightly t- touch the steering wheel mm. and went off to the side, would anything go wrong there? I feel like you'd probably just scrape the car. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, yeah, it probably would be terrible. Hour, but so it's not. I was, I was wondering it's a, if it was a small amount of like road space. Mm. Then the I wouldn't want to like... drive any faster than 30 in one of those. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think 30 is probably pushing it. I probably want to do 20. Yeah. Um, but obviously, with these guide rails, there's a much lesser chance of you. You know, because you lay out this sort of route once, then you just drive the pod through it very slowly to check that it doesn't touch anything. Mm. And then once you've evaluated that that is indeed the case, basically every other pod after it is guaranteed to run through smoothly and without fault. Exactly. By the so, way, I might actually now start call start to call trains pods. I think I don't know. Yeah, smart smart transport pods because. Exactly. Hyperpods. Hyperpods. Yeah. It makes it sound way more futuristic and fun. Exactly. Than train, I have to say. Um, but yeah, so there's actually vehicles already set up for this. Um, they, you know, fit in tunnels with a diameter less than 12 feet. They have doors in the front and back for emergency egress. They take power from a separate rail and maximize their volume to the extent the tunnels will allow. And Beautiful. these are. Pods. London Tube Trains. <laughs> London Tube Pods. Yeah. London Tube Pods. I'm going to have to erase this this ink that I put on the thing. Um, and these, basically the hilarious thing is the tunnels that Musk has built are the same size as the deep level tunnels. Really? <laughs> in London. And yeah. So these would actually fit perfectly in the tunnels that Musk oh. has built. That's so weird. So, yeah, I mean, basically, he's just recreated tunneling technology from, like, 100 years ago. <laughs> that's um, the... Wait, that's the thing... I, I don't know if I mentioned this much, but... I don't know. It feels like he was trying more to be different than to yeah, do something than to good. Do something if that makes useful. sense. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I, I do feel like... It's better to improve on current technology rather than try and do something completely different, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely an obsession with being revolutionary. Yeah. And I think, um, well, obviously, I think that I've also got some bits to touch on that um, in a bit. But I think that, yeah, there sort of is an issue where people want something that entirely revolutionizes transportation yeah. rather than 
something that just makes the current technology better. Because I do, um, I have to say, like, I get the appeal of the idea mm. of um, of the Vegas loop. Yeah. Because the idea that you get to go down and you get to go in a Tesla and drive, have your driver drive you through the tunnels and everything. I don't know, it, and it's different, and it's its own thing. There's there think, is an appeal there. Yeah. But it's not, from what I can tell anyway, from what we've been talking about. It's just not as useful as hmm. a train. And I think that a lot of Americans don't really understand public transport in that, you know, even in Britain, even in the sort of most car-dependent places, most people have been to, you know, London or Manchester or, hmm. I don't know, you know, sort of a city that has transportation um, or, you know, they've used a train to go long distance or, yeah. you know, even if they rarely ever do that, they've done it before and they kind of understand to an extent, you know, that it can be useful and that it can actually be quite good. But I think in the sort of American public consciousness, they've had it drilled into them so much that cars are the only way to do things. That I don't I th- think they can seem to imagine just building a train. Yeah. I mean, I obviously, we're not Americans, so we don't know. Mm. Maybe if anyone is, they could say. But from what I've heard, it's kind of things are very spread out. So the only way to get around, or the idea is the mm. only way to get around is by car a lot of the time. Um, I'm going to say, I think that that's Not untrue. true. Yeah, yeah no. America was kind of built on the train mm. like uh you know for a lot of its history america was basically entirely built by rail and if you yeah. go to cities um you know if you go to places like um obviously new york and chicago are massive for, you know they have like big subway systems um but a lot of cities you'll notice sort of communities that feel fairly european in a lot of oh, ways okay. and they were the sort of early streetcar suburbs where oh. they would just have trams run through like you know every couple of blocks they would have a tram oh, yeah because isn't there the like san francisco tram system? yeah it was yeah. san francisco is one of those cities that's very much like a representation of the streetcar suburb style of development oh. um and that's actually why la is so spread out um was a lot because of that so yeah, it's interesting to think. Um, yeah, I I was more thinking when I said that, um, like intercity. Well, not intercity. Well, more like rural towns. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, I think um, that um, when they say a lot of people live in sort of a lot of people live in suburban areas. Um, yeah. So you know, people live in areas that are basically are part of the city but try and create a sort of rural environment, but fail miserably at it. (laughs) Like in that they are still a built up urban area, but you also can't get anywhere. (laughs) It's like the worst of both worlds. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I also wanted to touch on another aspect, which is, uh, oh, Oh. Oh, I had that. Oh, that would have been fun. That was a really cool animation. Um, I want us to touch on automation. Um, so, 
you know, we've already reduced the number of drivers required by a significant amount. But, you know, say we want to go further and go full autonomous vehicles like Musk promised us the loop would be. Yeah, that would have been even more appealing. As well. That would have been another yeah. thing that would be like, oh, it's not as good as trains, obviously, but it's like, it's different. It's self-driving. Yeah. Yeah, like a train. <laughs> um, although, you know, I've been a bit sarcastic there, but I sort of want to talk about self-driving trains. Um, oh, wait, yeah. So it currently seems that dreams of autonomous vehicles are sort of banking on completely separating them from all of the traffic, whether that's people driving their own cars or pedestrians, cyclists, that kind of thing. Um, you know, they want to separate them traffic in a fully isolated system, such as the Vegas loop. Um, and, you know, while we wait for the sort of driverless technology to arrive, I think it might be worth looking at some systems already on the market for making our pod trains move drivelessly. Um, because if you think about it, a rail line is essentially already a completely sort of dedicated right of way with very few interactions with other traffic. Um, yeah, it makes sense in a way. Now you've said it, that it could be autonomous. Yeah. Even though there's a bit of me that feels quite sad if it did <laughs> end up like that. Because I just the idea that, I don't know, being a train driver sounds quite interesting. But yeah. it makes sense if it um, did lead to that. So do you want to guess when the first automated train or train that was capable... Um, it still had a driver, but they basically pressed start, like they basically uh, okay. pressed start or stop, <laughs> you know, before each, before, um, say so press start when oh. they want to leave a station and then it drives itself to the next station automatically. And then they press, like they open the doors and then they close uh, okay. the doors and press start again. And then it drives to the next station. Um, I'll say it was 1980. Earlier than that. Earlier than I... Th oh, okay. It was the Victoria Line in London opening in 1968. Whoa. <laughs> um, I'm going to see if I actually have another... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's fairly rudimentary for today. Mm. Um, but there wasn't even... From what I can tell, I don't even know there was any digital processing in the system at all. Um, it was essentially just a giant box of like relays, switches, and like sort of just electronics, yeah. and just sort of you know physical sort of levers that would move and stuff to sort of align stuff. So yeah, um, so you know they still had drivers to monitor the trains, to open and close doors at stations, and a lot of systems run like that. Um, the advantage being that, um, you know, the trains can sort of very accurately control themselves. Um, sometimes they can, instead of sort of having fixed signals, um, they'll be able to follow at a set distance behind another train. Yeah. Also, um, I was just thinking there's like, in general, there's less factors with autonomous trains. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, they can. They are quite a solid technology and one that's increasingly well established. Um, so, 
these systems have progressed over the years. The first fully driverless trains, so where no drivers required, they drive themselves. Um, the first one was the Port Island Line in Japan, which opened in 1981. Okay, um, so that was a year after my prediction. Yeah, a first completely, yeah, unattended. That was what I was actually required. going for. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, some of the systems still require an attendant to be on board just to make sure everything's running okay but don't require maybe they want doors opening or closing a lot of them can just sort of open and close the doors themselves and just run completely without sort of just with staff milling around making sure that everything's sort of nominal that's good because people need jobs at the end of the day (laughs) yeah so even if it's milling around yeah sometimes they'll go on one train or another um yeah Obviously, the longer gap you have between stations, you probably want someone on the train just to make sure that, you know, if there's an emergency or something to help people evacuate, um, which is sort of what the DLR does. Um, but yeah, then um, there was others in Canada. Um, this system is the Scarborough RT, um, which was that- a precursor to the Canada Skytrain. Oh. Wait, so is that is- the one in the picture you've got there? Or... Yeah, this is in Toronto, so oh, in okay. sort of Scarborough and Toronto. This is a fairly short line, but this Wait, is basically hey. built on the same tech that did the early Sky Trains. Have you been on it? Because you went to Toronto a year or two ago. I haven't been on the Scarborough oh. RT, but I want to go. If I go to Toronto again, I'm definitely doing this. <laughs> or if oh. I go to Vancouver, I want to ride the Sky Train because that's cool. Oh. Um did you oh, yeah, no, I've been to Vancouver, but I didn't go on the SkyTrain, actually. Oh. I'm sorry. I so did go on the... Go. I forgot what they were called, but the boats. Oh, yeah, the boats. That's cool. That was cool. But... Um, I think the driverless trains I've been on, probably are the Victoria Line in London, um, but mostly DLR. Oh, okay. Um, oh, and also the air train um, in New York. It's like connects JFK with the subway. So... Oh. That's another sort of advancement of this sort of system. Um, so yeah, basically, trains are already automated and they have been for forty years. Yeah, <laughs> or fifty years. They're not cars, they Josh. Make. So no one cares. <laughs> yeah, but it's like if your autonomous car is going to have to be on an entirely dedicated right of way. Yeah, with no other interactions with anything other than other autonomous cars, it's no better than a train that was built somewhat probably with limited to no digital technology 40 years ago. Yeah, would that also mean that they have to build new roads? Because there's not like space yeah. really to build new roads, or I don't know. Hmm. And building a dedicated right-of-way is incredibly expensive. So if you're going to spend all of that money, you might as well move the maximum amount of people possible. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about the UK here because, like, I don't know. We don't have, like, a ton of land in general to just build completely new roads everywhere. And, you know, roads take up a lot of space. I guess that's the idea with the tunnels, right? Yeah, that's true. Tunneling isn't going to be cheap, and I don't see how Musk is going to suddenly make it so that you can just, I don't know, drive, you know, build 30 tunnels through central London because, you know, 
Yeah. The difficulty isn't just the tunneling, it's making sure that you don't hit things. Mm. Yeah, wait, um, how environmentally friendly is tunneling in general? Probably not much more of an impact than other forms of construction. Yeah, I was just um, wondering because, like with Musk, um, I read recently, I this is like what I know hmm. about him, um, but recently he was like, was it with Doge or Bitcoin? He was like, oh, you need to like have a more environmentally friendly way yeah. of doing it. But then if he's doing these like construction projects that are like I don't know, if you like had mass tunneling everywhere. I don't I know. Think that it w- I it might be wrong be, with all this. It I wouldn't be, be very efficient. Um, yeah. but I don't think the environmental impact would be significantly worse than anything else that we do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I'm probably wrong. It's not. I don't think that it's the the worry is though is obviously you've got to monitor buildings and structures above where you're tunneling mm. to make sure that you aren't just going to cause them to fall into the ground, yeah, um, or you know collapse the ground around them or move them too much and destabilize them. So I'm sure a lot of cost for you know tunneling projects in London, for example, will have to place sensors on all the buildings that they're going under to make sure that they don't move beyond like a tolerable amount. Uh, okay. Um, and you obviously have to go past you know sewers, other transport lines underground, electrical cables, phone lines, <laughs> secret bases. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so I guess we've resolved the issues of Las Vegas Loop, which is to install one of the 1968 Victoria Line trains in it. Yeah, it's the only solution, obviously. Yeah, which yeah. is probably the only sensible solution. <laughs> um, or you just put travelators in it, but yeah. And to be honest, if they like went with like old-timey tra- like, tra- trains, trains as well, <laughs> like... That would be very appealing for people. Cause, you know, I was just talking yeah, about the appeal of like going in a Tesla in tunnels and everything with your own driver. Like, if he, if they did literally install like 1960s like underground trains, that would be pretty cool. I think a lot of people would ride that. I think yeah. a lot of people would find that cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Just look, okay, if you're like musk just hit up like tfl they'll probably have some trains lying around that they'll exactly. happily give you actually there are trains lying around that they'll give you because um there's a company called viva rail who nicked a load of underground stock i don't know whether it's subsurface stock so it might be too big but i'm sure you can hit up those guys and get up a solution going so you know um yeah just hit just hit me up. I'll hook you up. I'll find people who can get you a tube train. Josh will hook you up. Josh will hook you up with a tube train. We've got <laughs> contacts. <laughs> I'll find people. Or you could just take like there's like hundred and hundred year old ones. They've just retired off the island line in like the Isle of Wight. Really? Oh. <laughs> you could just nick them. <laughs> um. So I want to do sort of looking at changes we might want to make to future designs based on the lessons that we've learned from the last okay. Vegas loop. So let's look at reducing costs because obviously costs is a big factor. Yeah. Um, so if it was true, the $1 billion a mile figure for subways and metros would make the $10 million per mile loop look like a bargain. 
Mm. However, $10 million is just for a tunnel in a single direction. So immediately, we have to make that $20 million to match the bi-directionality of most subway systems, especially the ones I think Musk is trying to compare to. Um, however, Las Vegas Loop cost $52.5 million for the one-mile-long system. Um, and we don't know if the boring company is breaking even on that. So... Okay. My guess is probably not, especially when you consider whole life costs. So, you know, fare box recovery, maintenance, all of this stuff, you know, long term. Um, and, you know, obviously, cost is a mass factor. Um, and while the tunneling can probably be done for $20 million a mile, um, it just goes up depending on ground conditions, underground structures services that need to be relocated or avoided so if you've got a sewer in the middle of your tunnel you're gonna have to move it (laughs) if you've got electrical cables in the middle of your tunnel you're gonna have to move it Um, oh i thought you'd just be able to drive through it so you either have to take the tunnel a different way or you have to move it um so that's gonna cost money um and you know there are other things like stations, air vents, fire escapes that adds the cost of building underground. And Musk doesn't really seem to have looked at any of these. Yeah. Um, like you, I'm guessing the thing is you can reduce costs, but there's a point where like, it's not worth it, if that makes sense. Yeah, you become, you're cutting so much stuff that the system becomes as useless as the Vegas loop. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a reason why things cost money at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and it, it's and kind of, I'm guessing, if you looked at it as more as like investment. Because... Yeah, you've got to see it as an investment rather than just like a onerous cost. Hmm. Uh, like a mortgage. It's like a mortgage, not just like a credit card, you know? Yeah. Like, you're trying to sort of save up for something that, uh, an asset which has value long term, um, but yeah, if obviously if the costs go up, that kind of eats into the just build more tunnels idea. <laughs> and if we want to reduce the number of tunnels required, building something closer to a subway system is the likely outcome. Yeah. So, why do subway systems become so expensive? Um, and this is sort of just what I want to briefly talk about is that. Cost inflation can be a bit of a complex topic. You know, there are a lot of factors involved, but technologies aren't generally a sort of massive factor, especially if they're well-established technologies. Um, But generally, things that cause the cost of inflation, uh, cause cost inflation, are um, bad planning by politicians, um, which is just sort of like boom or bust cycles. So they suddenly okay. decide they want to build a load of stuff and then the price goes up because, you know, obviously there isn't a supply chain in place. There isn't people who are qualified to do it. So the, the cost of it just kind of rises because everything mm. becomes a headache and they go, oh no, it's cost too much. So I'm going to cancel it. Oh, uh, that, um, this is just a personal thing. And I, again, I haven't looked too much into that, but that kind of reminds me of here in Bristol, there's a subway plan. Yeah. Going or something, but they've spent like a year, I think, trying to plan and loads of money into the planning, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. 
Yeah, and I think I, it was more like a oh, we're going to say this thing from the sounds of things to get people excited, rather than yeah. it be a genuine kind of thing. I mean, and I don't know enough about it. Maybe people might. No, know. that's exactly the the issue. Is that you know, when you look at building these systems, um, you have to consider that these things are a long term thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not going to get a metro system built in like a five-year term yeah exactly but a load of politicians are like this is going to be my thing that will get yes they like doing ribbon cutting yeah exactly um but yeah the sort of boom and bust issue in the uk so when it came to sort of electrification or upgrades to our rail network it's estimated that this boom bust system is adding a third onto costs so increasing costs by 30%. So if you've got a project that costs 100 million, 133 million. So you can see that's just a massive amount of money already. Um, then we've also got bad contracts and negotiation. So these include things like fines for delays from contractors um, or offboarding risk to contractors, which seem like a great way Um but this is also one of the major causes of inflation on HS2, for example, because the government's basically tried to offboard all the risk to its contractors. So, you know, uh, okay. things go wrong during construction, right? Yeah, like, obviously. It, it's hard yeah. to sort of predict every single problem you're going to come into. So you come up with an estimate for a cost, and sometimes it just takes longer to complete something because that's just the nature of the beast, right? Um, obviously the longer it goes on for the more time you need to pay people for the more you need to lease equipment you know that increases costs Um, so you know a lot of the time the government just has to foot the bill so you know projects can just be expected to probably run you know you know 10 or 20 percent over budget is pretty common yeah um but what the government's trying to do with HS2 is it's saying to the contractors, here's the contract. Um, we're going to give you this amount of money and you have to deliver it on that amount of money. And we're not going to give you any more. And if you don't give it, we'll punish you. So oh, okay. the contractors have just gone, right, let's just add 50% to, like, to all of our quotes because, you know, we don't want to you know, have to... Foot. So it's like, we're just going to add like extra money to compensate for the amount of risk that we're taking on with it. Yeah. So oh, it's just pushed costs up anyway. <laughs> yeah. But they, do you think they'll end up spending more money than they would have if they just spent it each time then? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because uh-huh. the government, essentially, because they have access to money printer, they can very much afford to take on risk. Yeah. Like, there isn't really... However, if you're a contractor, you know this project could literally kill your company if it goes wrong and you don't have any support from whoever's financing it. So, Especially with HS2, because there is a lot of risks involved with it, I feel. Like, there's the normal stuff, but then um, environmental kind of things where people try and halt the the construction because they want to stop HS2. Like, that's another factor that I'm guessing usually with construction wouldn't be a problem. But that, but yeah, like, that, that would, like, waste a day of Yeah, waste a day of everyone's time. Yeah. Um, and it would be cheaper if the government just foot the bill for that. 
instead yeah. of trying to get the contractors to. But I heard um, Go Transit in Toronto, or sort of the company that runs it, they're trying to instead give bonuses to contractors for delivering things on time. Oh. Um, and they found that overall that generally increases the um it increases like whether they deliver stuff on time or not and it also just overall decreases costs that's quite interesting um, so by spending more at the end it probably will mean less less money probably overall. save more yeah yeah so um and another thing um which causes issues is just stuff like non-standard design um you know, building stations, bridges, viaducts to different types of designs increases complexity mm. and therefore cost. Um, so, yeah, looking at sort of... Oh. Sorry, to do with that, I'm guessing, like, with the London Underground, for example, initially it would have been a lot harder to and a lot more expensive. Well, not mm. expensive, but to stop constructing stuff. But I'm guessing now if they wanted to do a new line, like they kind of have an idea of what they're doing yeah they have like the sort of technology laid down and i think yeah. this is something that um talking about sort of resolving it is that you know these issues are mostly political you know a result of politicians not really understanding or really having an appetite for public transport um and it's like transportation and infrastructure more widely has to be planned long term like you want to be building it more like a moving production line rather than seeing it as a load of distinct projects because if you're sort of using a production line you can reuse you know equipment supply chains and skills um you know so that reduces costs because you can sort of have like a production line of that digger that went and dig out that thing can then move on to the next project when it's done with that like you know you can sort of reduce costs that way yeah. if you build sort of less but constantly <laughs> instead of trying to just produce like build a load of stuff in like a year um, yeah that makes kind of yeah that makes sense so you know you sort of have to plan 20 years ahead with these things um which unfortunately a lot of politicians just don't want to do because they could lose, you know, to another party. You know, they can't court, like cut ribbons by the time that the project's actually finished. Yeah. And they, they won't be the ones doing it. It's a bit yeah. like the whole Boris bikes thing. Where sure. he what he it was actually someone else's idea and yeah. he cut the ribbon on it. Exactly. Um, People don't like their ideas like being ribbon cut by someone else. Yeah. So why bother? Even if it is good for people. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, stop relying on hopes of future technology to resolve all your problems because it probably won't. Mm. Um, most advances are iterative, making small improvements to existing technologies to make the experience better. Uh. Um, and standardization, which is one of the good points made by TBC, uh, the boring company, which is to standardize the size of like tunnel boring machines, tunnels, and sort of that stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing I'll give. Um, but Spain is kind of the master at infrastructure this way because they build high-speed rail for the same price per kilometre as China. 
Oh, wait, and China's really cheap with stuff like that, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. Like, obviously, China's built a massive network, but Spain is building it, has built their network for the same price per kilometer, very similar to China. Yeah, because, with, like, wait, I don't know if it was high-speed rail or, some, or something mm. else, but I feel I saw a video about it, like, talking about high-speed rail in China. And it mm. was like it's cheap, but it's because they're like underpaying people. It's a it's a it's a variety of reasons. I think ultimately it's not like dramatically cheaper than what any other country can do. Um, you know, Spain's a great example of that. Um, but the government has an appetite for it and it's willing to invest in it, mm. um, which is not something that many western countries seem to want to do or it just seems completely politically unpalatable so you know with spain as well they've done a lot of long-term network planning like they know what their networks can want they want their network to look like in 20 or 30 years which means they can plan ahead and you know put things in place when they want to start constructing something so you know it just hits the ground and you know if someone's got experience from digging up dirt on one line they'll know how to dig up dirt on another line like yeah. you know there's no need to rebuild those skills or relearn those lessons like people can say oh so you know if you press this button on the tbm that actually makes it go a little bit quicker or if you do this or you know if you do that like people can sort of pass the skills down as well um whereas a lot of the reason why a lot of projects have been expensive in sort of the anglosphere especially is because people have just kind of forgotten like those lessons have been lost to time okay yeah um you know people have basically been relearning the same things that we've relearned the first time we built the railways um except this time everyone kicks up a massive fuss on it um so yeah improving the tunnels um so this image is actually a technique you can use to reduce the cost of tunneling which is basically you just dig up the entire street. Oh. Place your like tunnels in it, almost like a bridge, and then just build the street on top of it again. Um, which is obviously very disruptive and not suitable for any location. Yeah. But if you want to build stations, which are one of the major costs parts of it, because you know they're not the standard shape that the rest of the tunnel is, you sort of have it so your tunnels will raise up a little bit you have your station be cut and cover and then you pull down again. Oh, okay. And additionally, this is also very efficient because um, the train gains speed rolling out of the station (laughs) and then it slowly reduces it. So by the time it gets back to the other end, it doesn't really have to do as much accelerating or braking. Yeah. Um, But this also reduced costs because you can build the bulky station part near the surface one um, thing I was just wondering though is if we would if this was brought over to uh, the Las Vegas loop. Yeah. It, isn't it a I might I don't know much about it, so correct me, probably. Um but is you said it was like a convention centre. Yeah. So some of it underneath the actual centre, like the building. I think that so. would be I think they built a lot of it probably in stuff like car parks and stuff. Uh, um, okay which I think is a great idea because, you know, you can dig up sort of a car park with relatively little disruption to, you know, especially if it's in a city or something. Yeah. It's not really going to make that much of a difference. So 
yeah, just place your station there, like dig it up, um, build the station in it, and then just kind of create just like a structure over the top that you can then use to develop on. Um, yeah. So I was just thinking, know, like, if it was inside a building, that would be harder to dig up the inside. Yeah, no, that's definitely. But yeah. Um, but generally, very few projects do that. Yeah, um, obviously. Yeah. I don't even think Crossrail. Nah. They've sort of done a lot of deep level tunneling, but that's because it's not very, yeah, there's not much space to just do that in London. Um, although they have done that to an extent. Um, but yeah, I'd also say making the tunnels bigger would leave more space if you wanted to have overhead electrification. Um, if you want to have space for evacuation pathways um, and room to install ventilation so breathable air can be piped in in the event of a fire. Plus, you could increase the size of the vehicles so you can fit even more seats and have more people, more room for people to move around, which increases capacity and reduces dwell times. Um, and also, cheaper systems. Say you don't want to build an entire tunnel. <laughs> uh, a lot of public transport systems can operate very efficiently given dedicated corridors. Um, you know, these can be as simple as painted lines on the street and end up carrying more passengers than um, traffic lanes shared with private vehicles, including the people in those private vehicles. Um, on the left, we have a surface rail-based pod train oh, um, yeah. that can run on the street with other traffic and be built pretty cheaply. Um, and this probably carries more people than the loop, probably travels faster than the loop overall, and probably costs exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's longer than the loop, so... Yeah. Uh, like not the loop itself, but I mean like the pod. The pods are longer, so yeah. I can't even see the end of that pod. Yeah, there's there's like a, a pod, and pod. then another pod, and then another pod, and then it's like a big flexible pod. Um, and then this is like a um a bi-level pod that runs on a sort oh, of wow. guideway, very similar to the one proposed for the tunnel. Um. Yeah. You know, well, you can have like flexi pods that can sort of run articulated pods. Um, but yeah, ironically, these systems are capable of carrying more people than the loop. Yeah, even though I have to say, I'm annoyed that you've you've gone for a first bus. Uh, oh right, yeah. Well, this is in Manchester, so soon Burnham's going to take it all over anyway. Oh, cool, so, cool. yeah, <laughs> nationalized. Yeah, I um, wish that would happen down here. At some point, the buses are just terrible. I'm going yeah, no, to continually complain about buses in Bristol. but We just have yeah. trams, so that's kind of like our system of getting past. I mean, sorry, I mean rail-based pod vehicles. Yeah. Um, that's our way of sort of avoiding the bus system, is you can just use the tram or um, the other heavy rail-based pod system. Um, it's called the train. But yeah, um, so the Boring Company will be able to carry about 400 passengers per hour per direction. Um, a boss, a bog standard like bus lane can carry two to three thousand. Okay. And a light rail line, like the one in Manchester, can carry about four thousand passengers an hour. Really? Um, fully grade separated heavy rail is capable of carrying tens of thousands of passengers an hour. Um, 
So in just one direction on the Thames link, it can carry 41,000 passengers in an hour. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, I guess that's because of how like often they come along. They come along like every couple of minutes. The yeah. trains are like 12 carriages long. I always forget that because I always think back to back home. Um, like, yeah, I don't know, buses and everything would be like every half an hour. And now I would be like, oh, that's good. Or even every hour, actually, sometimes, I think. Yeah, back home, it'd be like every hour. It'd be like, yeah. if they gave us hourly service on a Sunday, it'd be like, oh, joy. <laughs> what do we what do we do to deserve this? Um, but yeah, placing these systems on the surface with signal priority and dedicated rights of way and boost capacity massively. And, you know, you can create fully grade separated things. Um, not just with tunnels, but, you know, you can just use a mixture of bridges, viaducts, and tunnels. Um, but, you know, you can use a variety of construction methods that deliver the most cost-effective system. Um, so, yeah, our final thoughts. Um, so, I just sort of want to read do? out... Wario like that. <laughs> I just want to read out Musk's Elon opinion on public Wario. transport. <laughs> Um, which he said in, uh, I think he said in an interview, is, I think a public transport is painful. No. It sucks. Why do you want to get on something with a lot of other people that doesn't leave where you want it to leave, doesn't start where you want it to start, and doesn't end where you want it to end, and it doesn't go all the time? It's a pain in the ass, and that's why everyone doesn't like it. There's... And there's like a bunch of random strangers, one of whom might be a serial killer. Okay, great. <laughs> what? And that's why people like individualized transport that goes where you want, when you want. That kind of turned a bit yeah. funny. But I mean... Yeah. It was better than his, I have to say. <laughs> Your accent there was... Oh, it was like I was in Italy right then. But yeah, I mean, it I wasn't as good as Grimes's time. though. I'm sorry to say, <laughs> Grimes's was amazing. <laughs> I didn't whatever. Ah, you cheated on me. Yeah, um, I mean, I know all the time when I get on the train, like, um, I get attacked by a serial killer. Yeah, um, it happens all the time. I get, I, mean, I get the point he's trying to make. Yeah, but that is like. I feel like public transport and like cars and everything, they're there for different reasons, but it doesn't invalidate it. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's like, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to drive your car, fine. But yeah. you can't complain when you get stuck in traffic because that's just the result of it. It's a lower mm. capacity system and it can't carry the same amount of people that, you know, other public transport systems can. So, you know, um, in the meantime, it's like if, you know, these sort of systems that he's proposing just kind of detract from actual public transport investment, um, especially in America where politicians just can't even fathom of a train. <laughs> um, yeah, it kind of comes back to, you know, this sort of AMFM, which is actual machines and fucking magic. <laughs> Uh, which I quite like but you know a lot of the times I think we think that how we want to sort of 
revolutionize something instead of just iterate on it and improve yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just hurts average people who would really benefit from just the AM solution to the problem. Um, and, you know, also the climate, <laughs> you mm. know? Like, I think there was recently a interview where the um, politician in the US said that 50% of the things we need to combat climate change haven't been invented yet. And it's like, okay, that sounds like a good strategy there. <laughs> like, I mean, look, technology is totally improved. Like, you yeah. know, technology will help, but it doesn't change the laws of physics. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's incremental, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, no advance is ever, like, I think we have this idea of, like, the genius people who just invented, like, electricity, invented the light bulb. And it's like, I think that as we progress forwards, those things are becoming increasingly less common because back in the day or, you know, back, like, one or 200 years ago, it was quite easy to stumble over something in your garage mm. and just have it be, like, an invention, you know, just go in your shed and then discover that this thing makes light if you put electricity through it. But also, um, the thing I'd say is, of a lot of those early ones, like, it was trying to... It wasn't, like, completely new. Yeah. It was trying to do something else. So, like, the light bulb is, like, a different way of, uh, like, having a candle or something. Does that make sense? Yeah. They it's weren't kind of based to... on something else. Uh, yes, you can say the Vegas loop is kind of based on subway. I don't know if I'm actually making a good point here at all. <laughs> no, but I think it makes sense in that, like, as well, I think it's worth mentioning that these things, as much as we like to think of them as being a specific inventor, a lot of those inventors also had a giant team behind them or, you know, yeah. had research assistants and stuff. Um, there's generally very few times, like... Even Steve Jobs, right? Like, everyone lords over Steve Jobs as sort of a genius and a visionary. And that he probably was. But, you know, first, Apple computers weren't a completely sort of different... Um, you know, this, obviously the iPhone had a number of improvements mm. over other phones and it did do a lot of stuff, but it was ultimately still iterating on other sort of touchscreen, yeah. form factor phones. Like, it's there not was like... touchscreen technology before <laughs> yeah. the iPhone, even though the and... iPhone definitely like revolutionized it, but like, you know, yeah. but it was sort of doing simple things like user interface and considering like user base design so it's like what does the user need focusing on that primarily and then building mm. a system based on that um yeah. and i think that should also that approach should be taken for transport in that what does our ideal perfect public transportation system look like how do we want to move people around um and then let's come up with a strategy to build a system as close to that as possible yeah so instead of focusing on what we can build we should focus on what we should build and then that let that guide us into the process of trying to get as close to that as possible yeah um, that, that was beautiful josh cheers <laughs> thanks for joining <laughs> to revolutionize um, transport i know you've got to go and watch eurovision so i've been yeah, trying to I'm rattle sorry. through the slides quickly <laughs> i'm just seeing it's three minutes past eight yeah. now, like, oh no but yeah <laughs> 
um, are we doing a uh, a rating with this or not? Because it was kind of just talking more about the movie. A, yeah, a bit of a bonus episode. I mean, yeah, what are I'll, your I'll say your plan for an underground train system, Josh, is very yeah. viable. Really? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm going with. So five out of five. Five out, yeah. Five out of five for putting a, a train know, like in an a underground tunnel. train. In I know the... it's kind of it's a crazy new idea, but um, yeah. but personally, yeah, I have to give. It... Look at this! Wow, your drawing's amazing. It kind of it looks like a face in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So putting a train in a tunnel. Five out of five. So would, that's for. Would do again. <laughs> What so there's feasibility and practicality. Yeah, it's all it's all five. Trains are five out of five. And then five out of five for practicality. Yeah, it's pretty practical. And what about coolness? Oh, coolness, um a five out of five as well. Actually I guess it depends on the train, but yeah. But but not or not for all. What's the most shit like train operator? Um, loads of people talk to you about Northern, don't they? But I haven't really used. They've it kind much. of improved. Have they? Oh, okay. Yeah, coolness, but not for. Um... I don't like East Midlands that much. That's the one I've mainly gone on. Yeah, there's a lot of crappy trains on that. Yeah. I'm getting new ones though. I know. So... I just I always thought that they overcharged me. But coolness, there. but not for those damn 80s dog boxes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is that it? Have we finished? Yeah, that's it. Cool. That's it, I think. Thank you for listening, then, people. Thank you for if listening. You I hope you enjoyed point. the episode. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, you've learned about. This, the, the new technology of pods of yeah of of rail based um rail based pod trains exactly oh. right okay <laughs> you go you go and watch you go yeah. and watch uh, goodbye thingy right How do goodbye I leave? uh